Rick is continuing our new series this week, and he's preaching from Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Good morning. Welcome, everyone. Uh, Pursuit of happiness. Who wants to be happy? Four of you. Five. I don't believe everyone. We all want to be happy. Um, the, the, The kind of the reason that we've named this series The Pursuit of Happiness is because one of the translations, and maybe the, the best English translation for the word blessed or blessed that it shows up in the Beatitudes um, is happy. And so there are nine statements, and we're going to deal with the first one this morning, that start with the word blessed in Matthew chapter 5. Um, and that word blessed is best translated as happy. But it's, it's not the sort of happy that we're used to, and that if I were to ask you what the opposite of happy is, what would you say? Sad. Sad. Exactly. Um, for our, our tradition, our culture, our understanding, that's exactly right. But this word, the opposite of this happy, is more empty. So this happiness has to do with being full or being satisfied. You ever pushed away from a really good meal and been just satisfied? Right? You with me? That's more of this word, this fullness, being full, being satisfied. So the opposite of blessed here is empty. Um, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, There's another translation that I'll quote a lot. It's actually in, if you don't, uh, by the way, on that back table are little booklets, uh, Pursuit of Happiness, that we're using. You can use it in the sermon uh, during the message. You can also use it in a community group if you're not a part of a community group. This is a great series to dive into a community group. Um, Find me afterwards and I'll talk to you about where and when our community groups meet. Um, and that book that's back there will help you in community group and in the sermon. So uh, in there, and, and I'll, I'll be quoting them throughout the, the duration of the series, is uh, N.T. Wright is an older theologian. He's still alive today. Uh, but he wrote a translation of the Bible, and his Beatitudes are, are really cool. Um, it says, Wonderful news for the poor in spirit. The kingdom of heaven is yours. Um, I want to move this table and I want to pull this, this stool up because I want to sit for the rest of the sermon, not because I'm tired, although I'm 46 years old and I played like two hours worth of football yesterday. And uh, 
My legs hurt, my back hurts, but that's not why I'm sitting down. I'm sitting down for the rest of the sermon because it is um, kind of metaphorical in that um, many times, because I'm holding a mic and I'm standing and everyone is looking at me and giving me your attention, um, it appears as though I've got something figured out or I don't, I want to tell you a secret that I've found or that, that I'm doing this right and you need to do this the way I'm doing this. There can be that appearance. Um, Here, in this sermon, I do not at all want to give that appearance um, because we're all here together and um, we're all broken and we're all given great gifts by God. And that's ultimately what we're, we're talking about here today. I want to leave, put this idea in front of us throughout the course of today, uh, the big idea for us this morning. God wants you to live in the tension that you are poor and you are rich. God wants you to live in the tension of being poor and being rich. God wants me to live in the tension that I'm poor and I'm rich at the very same time, at the exact same time. We are completely broke. And at this very same time, we, are com- we have everything. Um, the word that's translated in our, uh, in our scripture here, blessed are the poor in spirit, the word that's translated there is the Greek word of a cringing beggar. Not just a beggar, but a cringing beggar. Someone who is completely and utterly bankrupt. I learned this week that there are two forms of bankruptcy. If we were to, to file for bankruptcy, um, you can do one, it really, and, and there's lots of different ways, but they kind of fall into two categories. One is I'm just going to reorganize my debt. Like I can't really pay my bills, but if I, I, can, re, I can figure out these people owe me this money and, and just a reorganization of our debt. And then you, people who file for that kind of bankruptcy are down for a, a couple of months and then they come back. Um, there's another form of bankruptcy, meaning I just can't pay any of my bills. I'm done. I'm completely bankrupt. I have no money to pay my bills. And this is what this word is. And so you're, you're completely bankrupt, but at the same time, you are uh, you're a cringing. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say like a cringing beggar? Like I've got nothing to offer you, and I just want to give over to you. Um, and the, the, the other piece of that, this, this, this picture that God wants us to, to live in the tension of being poor and being rich, the other piece to that is that, like, the gospel speaks of this, that when we are aware of our sin, without, the, without living in this tension, when we're aware of our sin, when, when someone makes us aware of our sin, we can bring sorrow comes to us. But when we fully understand the gospel and we fully understand the, the, this tension, when we, when we sense and feel our sin, when we sense and feel our bankruptcy, God shows us his life and gives us his life, gives us richness. So the gospel awareness of sin brings joy. Religious awareness of sin brings sorrow. And I want to focus in on this fact that we're, we're broken, but in a gospel sense. Um, so let's talk about being poor and being rich, and let's, let's consider the gospel in, in the midst of that. And, and I, before we get into being poor and being rich at the same time, 
I want to say that this, the whole point of this beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, is not to get you to do something or to be something. It's simply to make you aware, to make me aware. Everyone in this room is thoroughly and completely bankrupt. And everyone in this room that's confessed Christ is fully and completely rich. There's only an awareness in us. We don't have to do anything to be bankrupt. We don't have to do anything to be rich. God is giving it all to us, has given it all to us. Let's dig in on this idea that you're poor in spirit. We talked about poor being the Greek word for being a cringing beggar, absolutely destitute and helpless, more than just poor, but reduced to, to begging. But the spirit is the Greek word pneuma. A couple of months ago, I preached about this word pneuma in spirit, and it means the very core, the very foundation, the very fabric of who we are, the most reduced essence of you is what is meant by this word pneuma. So you are poor in pneuma. The, very, the deepest, most foundational essence of who you are is categorized by this word pneuma. And every time I, I've, not every time, but most times when I've talked about this word pneuma, the Greek word pneuma, I think about pneumonia. And I've said this in this context before. What pneumonia is, is it's, well, first of all, pneuma is, is the root of our, word, of our word for the disease of pneumonia. And pneumonia is there's a, a water in your, there's some sort of liquid in your lungs that doesn't allow oxygen to get to the, to the outer reaches of your lungs, which gives you life. So there's something blocking, pneumonia means there's something blocking the life-giving force to your body. When you take a deep breath, you can't get a deep breath. And when, you, when that deep breath doesn't happen, oxygen doesn't get to the very core places of who you are. This is the idea behind pneuma. Consider that. You are a beggar, destitute, without hope, in the most critical essence of who you are. And I want to reiterate right now that I'm sitting down talking to myself in the midst of this. We are all here together, broken, destitute, poor, hopeless, bankrupt. Um, not just broke from a I don't have any money standpoint, I have nothing to offer, but we're broken, meaning we just don't work properly. When I say broken in the context of, of a sermon, a lot of times you hear that I'm like I'm really sad, I'm really sorrowful for who I am. But broken in this sense, being poor in spirit, is that I realize that I don't work anymore. Like if I take my phone out of my pocket and I throw it as hard as I can against that concrete wall, it's going to be broken. It won't work. I won't be able to text. I won't be able to receive calls. I won't be able to make calls. It won't work anymore. This is kind of broken that I'm talking about, that poor in spirit is. This is who we are. Uh, last weekend, as, as I was preaching, I was asking everyone to read the Sermon on the Mount. Did anybody get a chance to, to do that, to read through the Sermon on the Mount? Um, if you didn't, it's okay. Don't sweat it. But I will encourage you this week to 
in light of the Beatitudes, to read the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I read it to my wife several times this week, and it'll take you maybe 15 minutes to read through the whole thing. So carve out some time this week to, to read through it, and it will explode this idea of blessed are the poor in spirit. One of the verses in the, Beatitude, in the Sermon on the Mount is this, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So a command of Jesus for you is to be perfect. I want you to let that sit for a second and understand perfection is unattainable, right? And that idea, as you read the Sermon on the Mount and all the commands that Jesus gives us in that Sermon on the Mount, we realize that we don't have any hope to be this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Congrat- and, and again, I talked about this word last, last, last week, this congratulations to the poor in spirit. What the word picture that's, that's creating is I'm going to give you something that is valuable, that's going to change your life. We talked about the Golden Globes last week. Do you remember that if you were here? That the Golden Globes happened last Sunday night. And we're going to say, congratulations, you are the best actor in a film in 2017. Here is an award for you. And not just an award, but an award that's going to allow you to do better things and bigger things in the future, in your career. That's congratulations. This word, blessed here, means that. Congratulations on the fact that you're completely bankrupt. That's, that doesn't compute for us, right? We live in a capitalist society. We live in a society where we, we strive to get more, to be more, to be better, to do better, to get a better job, to, to have better families, to have better behaved children, to have this happiness that we think this world is telling us to get. Blessed are the poor in spirit says stop trying to do that. The greatest thing that you can do for your own happiness is realize your bankruptcy. Like that's, that is contrary to the American way. That's contrary to suburbia. But it's blessed are the poor in spirit. William Carey is a guy who's known as the father of modern missions, lived hundreds of years ago, lived an impoverished life, uh, building schools in uh, foreign countries, in third world countries, and, and spent his life broke from a financial standpoint in impoverished nations, giving his life away uh, to teach children about the gospel and teach children to read and write. One of the, the father of, he's known as the father of, of modern missions, gave his life away. If, if we were to hold someone up in, in regard and esteem for their spiritual life, William Carey would be one of those guys. On his tombstone, he had it written, a wretched, poor, and helpless worm on whose kind arms I fall. A wretched, poor, and helpless worm. This guy who we would hold up as, as a standard by which to live calls himself a wretched, poor worm. He was connected with poverty of spirit. Um, and I find this to be really hopeful. I want you to, to think for a second. Consider the best person that you know. Consider, the, consider that person. Think about them. Like the most righteous. Maybe you don't know them. Maybe you know of them. Consider the best person that you know. This person has incredible character. They love Jesus. They give their life away. 
They do incredible things for their community. They just, like, this is the best person that I know. Consider that person. Everybody got somebody in mind? The person you're thinking of is absolutely bankrupt in their spirit. It's really hopeful to me because I'm, I am intimately aware of my propensity to sin. I'm intimately aware of, of my selfish desires. I'm intimately aware of, of my own brokenness, that I just don't work, that I'm, I'm a terrible pastor and a terrible role model, and I'm, I'm, I, I, I connect with this idea that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a worthless worm. I connect with poverty of spirit, and I live there. And then I think about the people that, that I perceive to not live there. And Jesus, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, is talking to everyone. And again, we don't have to do anything to be poor in our spirits. We don't have to do anything to be bankrupt. All I'm talking about here is awareness. Enough about being broke. Let's talk about being rich. And again, we're living in this tension Living in this tension is God intends for us to be aware that we are completely broken and at the same time completely and utterly rich. Um, I'm going to, Abram, hit that the next slide and put those Ephesians passages up there. I'm going to sit here and we're going to read these together. This is um, truths that Paul has written about us and who we are because of who Jesus is. The, the him that's here is Jesus. Let's Read these together in light of our poverty and our wealth. Uh, In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. I realize that I just spent like 15 minutes talking about how poor in spirit we are. Um, but I'm quite, can I just, can I just say that I'm disappointed in, in, in you guys right now? In, in what we just read? What we just mumbled? Like, look, this is the truth of you. This is the truth of the grace that God has given to us. This is the truth that raises you up from your poverty of spirit, that calls you a wretched, poor, awful, terrible worm, that leaves me in the corner of my bedroom, weeping in my tears because I understand the depth of my sin and the depth of my depravity and how that affects people around me and how that causes my children to scream at each other and causes me to yell at my wife and causes me to, to, to not pray for you guys. All the depth of my poverty is changed by these verses. You are rich Anything that God says of Christ, anything that God sees of Christ, he sees in you because of him. And the path to that awareness is connection with the poverty of your spirit. So the deeper you connect with the poverty of your spirit, the deeper you can understand and see the beauty 
of the richness that is yours. Look at these words here. The riches of his grace. The riches of the grace of God are yours. Do not be deceived. Do not live in and live alone in your, your poverty, in your wretchedness, in your awareness of your brokenness. Don't live there alone. Live there along with this tension that, that you have an inheritance that God has given to you. He's given to you. It's now your possession. You are 100% bankrupt. At the same time, you are 100% rich. There's this incredible tension. If we walked around and, and we were honest with each other and said, okay, we want all the people who live in the poverty of their sin, and this is where I major on, this is the, the place where God pulls me, we would, we're going to all sit in this section. And then we're going to, all the people that kind of major on the other idea that, that I'm completely and utterly rich and I have everything and I have this inheritance, we would all sit here. But alone... The people in this section are going to be crying all the time and they're not going to go to God. They're not going to pray. They're not going to read their Bible because they don't believe that they're, they're worthwhile. They don't believe there's anything in them that's of any value. And you would be correct. And these people would spend their, all their time thinking about, isn't this great? Isn't this incredible? Yay, yay. God has, has made me victorious. We would listen to people on, on sermons that, that try to get us to give all their money in this prosperity gospel. Nonsense. If we lived in the middle of this, this is where we live. That I am a conqueror. I have done every. I'm great. Wonderful. Look at me. There's a tension that God intends for us to live in. Hear me. There's a tension that God intends for you to live in. 100% all the time aware that you have nothing to offer God. 100% aware all the time that God has given you everything. This is the tension that God intends for you to live in. And the beauty of it is that he shows up in an incredible way. How do we do that? How do we live in this tension? I have some practical steps that I want to leave us with this morning. First... We consider the gospel. Um, when, when you came in, by the way, Ben Hammond handed you a bulletin, and he also handed you a piece of paper uh, with, it's a, I don't know who the author is. I found this, this eight or nine years ago, and it's, it's incredible. It's something to pray every morning when you wake up and helps you understand throughout the day to consider the gospel, to learn how to repent, to learn how to see Jesus to learn how to live in this tension. Um, of all the documents that you've been given, if you've been to North Church for a while, this may be one of, the, one of the most incredible documents you've ever been given. Keep that. Put it in a, in a conspicuous place where you'll see it consistently. Uh, the first thing to do for us to live in the tension of being poor and rich is uh, consider the gospel. That paper is a resource to do that. Scripture is also a resource to do that. I want to read three passages over you. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus has given you everything. Meditate, dwell on these verses to live in this tension of being rich. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin 
who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. In Christ, you are the righteousness of God. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to breathe that in deeply. There's no condemnation. If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. We might be aware of our sin and our wretchedness and our brokenness and our poverty and our bankruptcy, but there's no condemnation for that. Do you know you are, you are fully welcome in the presence of God at all times? And anyone who tells you different, differently from that is your enemy. Call them such. Consider the gospel. This is living in this tension of being poor and rich. Second thing to do is repent consistently. Repent, by the way, is the Greek word metanoeo, and it means to change the essence of the way that you think. Not change your mind, like I'm deciding I'm going to change my mind and wear a blue shirt instead of a red shirt. That's changing your mind. A lot of times we think of repentance, you might have been taught as a kid, as a 180-degree turn. Like you're going this way, and you turn and you walk and go this way. You're going a different direction. There's some truth to that, but there's more to this word. The difference is there's an essence change, a core change in the way that you think. Not like this is the way that I think, but the operation, the, act, the things that are actually transpiring to cause you to think. That way that you think is changing. Metanoeo. You're changing your mind, the way it operates and thinks. And you are incapable of that. God gives it to you as a gift. God gives repentance to you as a gift. Acts 11, 18 says, When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles, and God has also granted the repentance that leads to life. Two things to see in this verse about repentance. One, God gives it to you as a grace gift. What does he mean when he says grace gift? It's a gift that you don't deserve and you haven't earned. God offers a gift to you that you don't deserve and you haven't earned. You haven't done anything to get it. Repentance is such a gift. You can't repent without God. He gives you the ability and the opportunity to repent. Second thing from this verse to understand about repentance is not only does God give it to you as a grace gift, but it leads to life. And that word life means the exact way that you were intended to live in utter and complete happiness. You remember the happiness we talked about before? Not the opposite of sad, the opposite of empty. This word life is that word, that idea, that understanding. God intends for you to be completely and utterly satisfied. Like 
That's incredible. God, who can do anything that he wants to do, intends for you to be completely and utterly satisfied. Next time some enemy of yours whispers in your ear a lie that says you are a wretched, terrible human being, answer them with, you're right. But I'm also completely and utterly satisfied. Completely and utterly forgiven. This is the word of the Lord for you. Repentance that leads to life. Living in the tension is to consider the gospel. Living in the tension is to repent. And the third thing is self-awareness. I've said this a few times this morning already. Self-awareness is important in this idea of living in this tension. The chances are, and I mentioned again before about the, in this, this section or, or this section, but chances are you live in, in one of these camps. You spend more time. Just the, the, the personality that you have tends to lend towards I'm fully accepted or I'm fully depraved. I'm fully broken. You tend to leave, lend in, in one of those places. If you're over here, despair seems to be a friend of yours. He visits regularly. And you just feel shoulder slumped regularly. You... If that's you, you need to get around the people on the other side. You need to to read Scripture. You need to read Christ. You get around people who can tell you about your joy, your peace, your hope, your happiness. Or some of you might live on this other side. You walk around only looking at, at the gifts that God has given to you, and you don't pay much attention to your own sin. You need to get around these people. But probably, if, if you're like me, I kind of jump back and forth. Both some, some weeks I'm here, some weeks I'm there. And at the heart of it is this need to be self-aware. Um, I want to leave you with N.T. Wright's um, translation of this verse. Wonderful news for the poor in spirit. The kingdom of heaven is yours. Wonderful news for the poor in spirit. The kingdom of heaven belongs to you. The kingdom of heaven belongs to you. Think about that. The most glorious and wonderful things in this world are a mere shadow of what God has prepared for you. And the path to that is understanding your poverty of spirit. So we can understand The pursuit of happiness starts with living in the tension that I'm completely poor and completely rich all the time. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus.
thank you that you are so good. God, I pray now for us in this room as we respond to you. God, I pray that you would connect our hearts with our own brokenness. I pray that you would uh, connect our hearts with your gift to us. God, allow us to live in this tension. God, allow us to rest in your provision for our lives, God. God, allow us to see how completely dependent we are on you. Allow us to see how completely we are dependent upon you as people and as a church even, God. God, a broken spirit, contrite heart is what you ask of us. God, and maybe that's what you ask of us as a collective group of people as a church. Stripped and broken and bare with nothing to offer except you. God, lead us. Lead us in this broken and difficult life. Lead us to to your life. Thank you so much for Jesus Christ. It's in his name that I pray.